Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, January 29th. Russian people will be heading to the polls this year for a federal election. President Vladimir Putin's only opponent in the election claims he would end the war in Ukraine on day one if he came into power. Could Putin's reign be in jeopardy? We discuss with Elliot Tepper from the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. Do you get weather-related headaches? We catch up with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician, to explore just how a change in the weather pattern can actually give you a headache and what, if anything, can you do to ease the pain. And finally, it's time to flip what you think about love, work, and everything in between. We meet author Rob Cross, who explains his theory about how to build a more positive and productive life, all chronicled in his book, Flip Your Thinking to Ignite Your World. Russia heading into an election, and Vladimir Putin's main political opponent says he would end the war with Ukraine the first day he's elected. So can Putin hold on to power? We're going to talk about that and lots more with Elliot Tepper, Distinguished Senior Fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. Good morning, Elliot. Thanks for being back on the show. Oh, thank you, Sue and Andy. Always good to be back with you. Appreciate it. So let's talk about uh, Putin's rival. What is that? I mean, is that even a is that just a, a ploy to try and get him elected? Obviously, I think not in this particular candidate's case. Uh, this election on March seventeenth, uh, I'll make a fearless prediction now. Mr. Putin is going to win that election. <laughs> so, uh, he has outlawed dissent, basically locked up uh, just about anybody that could pose a uh, genuine threat to him, and he permits token personally selected opposition, the old Communist Party and others, so it looks like there's an actual election, but there isn't. The candidate you're speaking about right now is outside that group. Uh, 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 Mr. Dean, if I could pronounce that close to correctly. As good as we can, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I looked about it, Jeff. So um, we have a, a situation where he genuinely would like to be um, a uh, serious contender, not to take power because he says on March 17th, I will not be, become the president, but he wants to make a point that there is genuine opposition. I think he's trying to say uh, what you and I and others have been saying for a long time. Mr. Putin's basically a failure. And he's trying to point that out, that this he has to use the term special military operation. If he says war, he could be put in jail. That's how things work there. But he's saying that uh, Mr. Putin is a failure. He's isolated Russia militarily, politically, economically. Uh, He's not achieved his goals, which are not legitimate goals. He wants to basically represent all of those forces inside Russia, which are opposed to the ongoing destruction of Ukraine and the uh, damage that's causing to the people of Russia itself. Could there be a case then, you know, when you say that he is serious, he's not a paper contender or one put up or kind of, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, behind the scenes endorsed by uh, 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 President Vladimir Putin to be a candidate. Could, since he is serious, this Boris Nadezhin, could he maybe disappear? There's a history of that, as you well know. It is not safe to oppose Mr. Putin, who's heading toward what he's saying, you know, is a democratic election. Uh, He clearly is not a democratic ruler. I've been concerned, by the way, by his most recent report that not only is Mr. Navalny, who would have been a genuine contender, has been moved from Siberia to Antarctica prison. So they are slowly killing Mr. Navalny in jail. And also Vladimir 
Kara Mirza has now disappeared from his Siberian jail. We don't know. His wife doesn't know where he is. The genuine contenders for power have been removed from uh, contention one way or another mm -hmm. in, 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 in a just Orwellian, Stalinist fashion. I mean, is there, Elliot, should those people not disappear? Would there, is there even a desire for new leadership among the Russian people, or are they just so set in their ways with Putin, that's all they know? No, the, um, this is a, a very important point to make, because there's a lot of chatter generally that, oh, well, what do you expect? This is Russia. They like a strong man. Now they've got a strong man, and that's just the way the Russians are. And I think what we're seeing is the counter to that argument, uh, to that kind of lazy contention, that's just the Russians. Uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of Russians have put themselves on the line, taken to the streets across that vast, vast country from one side to the other side under Mr. Navalny chanting in the streets, uh, Putin is a thief, which was a very, uh, it was so potent a, a charge that he ended up, you know, being mm. put in jail. But the uh, there's been a very clear statement by people of Russia that they do not want to have a Russia of the old Stalinist, Tsarinist model. And these people are very, very brave. I was concerned a bit, actually, by that article that brought this to our attention, that individuals are named saying, we don't know who this fellow is. We are voting no to Mr. Putin. But at the same time, their names are given <laughs> in, in the prominent uh, international media. In order to, just to, some technicalities, in order to get on the ballot, you have to have over 100,000 signatures spread across a number of places. There's more, more detail to it. And other candidates have been disqualified arbitrarily for not meeting that. This candidate has met that criteria. He will be on the ballot unless something happens to him. Mm. And the people of Russia will have at least some opportunity to express themselves at the polls. Speaking this morning with Elliot Tepper, Distinguished Senior Fellow, Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. And, and Elliot, uh, something you'd mentioned earlier was a description of the war in Ukraine, the invasion in Ukraine, as a military operation. And that, you know, folks can be jailed, or perhaps worse, for using the term war. Just how much uh, do we know about the Russian people and their knowledge of what's going on? Is, is it one of these cases where they just kind of keep their heads down and, you know, take the word, or are people's minds being changed at this point? Mr. Putin controls the, the airwaves. So what people hear about what's going on primarily comes from government sources, uh, even if it's not directly from the government itself. He controls all the media, the social media. There's military bloggers who are quite influential. He lets them have a space on the web. The, uh, the people of Russia are by no means well informed about what's going on in Ukraine, nor the mistakes that uh, Mr. Putin made. Uh, first going in in 2014. We have to remember this is a second invasion and that it's not gone well for him. His, his plans to take it over in a week, plan A, didn't work. <laughs> plan B, take over all the rest of the Donbass, that didn't work. Now he's bogged down in a, in a war that's costing Russia uh, huge numbers in terms of casualties, although not, and this is important to note, primarily from the ethnic Russian population. That's the core of Mr. Putin's support. Uh, they come overwhelmingly uh, from minorities from, from across Russia. So that the people of Russia themselves that count for Mr. Putin, the ethnic Russian heartland between 
St. Petersburg and Moscow, for example, they have not felt the pain of this war nor heard the truth of this war. And this election is an opportunity, at least, for some of that to penetrate uh, that kind of uh, hold that Mr. Putin has on the country. But uh, it's a very brave, brave act that he's undertaken. And those people who have to sign the petition giving their passports and numbers and their full names, mm. they're all exposing themselves to danger. And they are doing so in huge numbers. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us, Elliot. Always appreciate your time. Oh, certainly. Thank you. Thanks. Elliot Tepper, a distinguished senior fellow at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University. It can be a painful transition in the city of Calgary from blustery and cold winter weather to unseasonably warm temperatures. Painful, particularly for those who suffer from weather headaches or even migraines. So is a major shift in barometric pressure tied to changes in the weather really responsible for triggering these headaches? And if so, what can we do to minimize the pain? To discuss, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Uh, to begin, how exactly can a change in the weather actually cause a headache, Dr. J? So it's interesting. It's all about so-called barometric pressure, which is the pressure of the atmosphere on top of us, which is constantly changing. It has effects directly on our, on our body, on our muscles, on our tissue, on our brain cells. So if there's a shift in that pressure, the pressure in our body actually shifts a little bit. And everything we're going to talk about with migraines is all about shifting a balance. If we are stable and everything's perfectly stable, it rarely triggers a migraine. Migraines are always triggered by a change of something. So that's the, the weather pressure change. It becomes that triggering phenomena in a migraine sufferer. Not all, but in many. Yeah, and that's my question, Dr. J. So who suffers and why do they suffer when others don't even feel a thing? Well, yeah, and who knows about that one. So this could be a genetically based issue. This could be very personal. We know migraine headaches have a long, long list of potential triggers. For some migraine sufferers, they have all of those triggers. Others have only very few, but they're very particular, very specific. So everyone's a little bit different, but for those uh, who are sensitive to the weather shift, that can be definitely one that, that's top of the list for them. So how do we differentiate? And I know if you have a migraine, you know what a migraine is, but the rest of us who can kind of get some pretty serious headaches, what is the actual, I guess, technical difference between a severe headache and a migraine, Dr. J? And that's a, that sounds like a very simple question, and it really isn't at all, because uh, there are a lot of patients where it's very difficult to differentiate. Is this what we call a tension or muscular-type headache versus a true migraine? Migraine have very particular characteristics. They come on generally quite abruptly. They tend to be more one-sided than both-sided. They sometimes have a visual aura, like an aura, uh, something you see phenomena before the headache actually comes uh, they tend to be quite severe. They tend to be short-lived for the most part compared to tension headaches. But again, every characteristic I just said could be true of muscular headaches. So sometimes there is almost like a mixed bag of things. But does that make sense? They're, they're typically very characteristic. Um, they tend to follow very particular patterns. Now, some people within the migraine world have multiple patterns. Mm -hmm. They have migraine number one, migraine number two, and, mm -hmm. a, you know, a third migraine, which is a little bit different. But they tend to follow a pattern. They tend to come on fairly abruptly. They tend to be quite severe. 
Okay, so let's talk about what you can do about it. Just got a text from Gail who yeah. says, yeah, barometric <laughs> fluctuations kill me. Her go-to, 50 milligrams of Imitrex and a Diet Coke. I know somebody who used to pop pills yeah. like crazy and drink coffee. So is caffeine sort of one of those things that helps? Yeah, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. So some people get caffeine-related headaches, like caffeine can actually be a trigger for their headaches. But caffeine can be very helpful. Uh, and a lot of the uh, migraine uh, therapies for acute therapy do involve uh, caffeine. So first thing, <laughs> there, there certainly are prophylactic drugs. So somebody who suffers a lot of migraines, has more than eight a month, Mm. Um, can be on a prophylactic drug, like a drug you take every single day to hope that you can stabilize the neurologic system so you don't get a migraine, versus drugs that you take right at the onset of a headache or during that prodrome phase, the aura phase. I know a migraine's coming. It's just on the verge of coming. If I take medication right here, right now, I might be able to ward it off, versus drugs we use when this headache is well-established and I just now need to get through the day. So what do I take? And each has its own, um, like there's differences between all those three categories. Uh, a health practitioner can certainly help, you know, professional to walk through or what's the best. But there are a lot of over-the-counter meds that work exceedingly well, but they have to be taken. And they have to be taken. The timing is everything uh, to try to abort that headache when it's coming. Well, but it's interesting, yeah, that you mentioned those folks suffering from migraines being more proactive, and that's a, my takeaway there, Dr. Jay, was you were saying, you know, not just after the fact, and maybe it's almost too late, but what about the rest of us who don't suffer migraines, but we do know that it's going to go from, you know, minus 20 to plus 10 in a 24-hour yeah. period. Is there anything the layperson can do to, to try, try to prevent a massive headache? Yeah, so if we just talked about that, so the one concept with, with all of this is um, stabilize what you can't stabilize because we can't change the weather. So this is a big triggering phenomena, but the other triggers can be things like, you know, what we're eating, uh, what's our, our stress level, have we slept well, um, is everything else in place? So there's a concept we use with migraine sufferers is that every, every trigger, think of it like filling a glass um, if you get one trigger, it fills the glass halfway up. No, nothing happens. We're all good. Second trigger fills it up to seven eighths. You know, almost right at the top. It's still not overflowing. We're still good. That third trigger, boom, we get nailed. So if a barometric shift for all of us sort of fills that glass like uh, say seventy five percent or three quarters full, make sure that there's nothing else in your life that's ins unstable that might trigger that overflow. So we can, most of us, manage a fairly good shift if there's nothing else. So make sure everything is really stable. You're eating uh, very good. You're not getting too much alcohol. Your, your sleep is in good shape. You're not getting too stressed out. If we do all those things, everything else is stable, we might be able to ride through that barometric shift because it doesn't trigger anything. It doesn't fill the glass or overfill the glass, as it were. I'm going to try and stabilize Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I can do it. Thank you, Dr. J. As always, great information. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you betcha. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Flip your thinking for a unique and powerful approach to life. That's what we're going to do today on this Motivational Monday. We're joined this morning by the Flip It Guy and the author of Flip Your Thinking. His name is Rob Cross. Good morning, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, Sue. How in the world are you? Excellent, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for being up nice and early to join us on Motivational Monday. We're going to get our listeners motivated today and beyond. First off, tell us a little bit about you. Why are you called the Flip It Guy? <laughs> 
Well, my book series, I have several books out. And, uh, forgive me, I have a little bit of a horse throat. I, I had a little bit too much fun yesterday. Uh, football? But, but, but we'll make it through it. Okay, good. Uh, you know, I discovered uh, a while back, uh, I had this epiphany. As life wasn't working for me, my uh, my marriage wasn't going where, I mean, people weren't cooperating, life wasn't cooperating. Can you imagine life not cooperating with you? Isn't that just a strange concept? <laughs> but but I just, uh, I became really frustrated and I've always been enthralled with how life works. And I've always asked the why not questions. And it really just hit me like a like a, a lead lead balloon. Uh, one day I recognized that, wow, I've literally been stopping myself from having the life I want by I've been living life upside down. I mean, I, I literally have been pushing away the life that I want. And, and I, my book goes into 36 different ways that we do seem to do life upside down and flipping it, not just making it better, but flipping the darn thing. And you're going to find that, wow, I truly have been pushing away what I want by the things that I think, how I think and what I think about. And it's, it's really a, a the book is a, just a great breakthrough back to common sense. You'll, your readers will love it. It's, it's very uh, it's fun. It's simple. It's casual. But I have a passion for people's best. And I want them to experience the, the joy my wife and I are experiencing now. Uh, anyway, this, uh, we worked ourselves into patterns, and the patterns are what I talk about in this book. Yeah, the patterns, and you notice the patterns, and then you decide to do this flip. And I'm on your website, by the way, robflips.com. It's awesome. And I'm reading about flipology, and you explain kind of <laughs> what you just gave us, the, the chronicling of Rob, about the big flip that started in your life. But how, how, how do we know, you know, the size of the flip? What you mean, because the flip to me isn't a minor change or correction in the direction of your life. It is a, a, a flip. And when we think about flip, it's almost like a, a, a 180. So how big of a flip do we plan, and, and how do we get that in motion? That's a great question, Andy. Thank you. Uh, I mean, literally 180, yes. And w what I do is, in my book, I help you see what I have discovered, and that is, for instance, uh, pain is gain. I mean, who wants pain? Nobody wants pain. But when do we grow if not from discomfort? But yet we try to keep discomfort away like a, like a cat stays out of a bathtub full of water. We don't want pain. But yet pain is growth and life is growth. Uh, failure, that's another good one. I, I've started four, four businesses in my life. And I, I, my first business is I, I really try to avoid failure. And in doing so, I didn't go for it like full steam with both feet. So uh, if you're not willing to fail, you're not going to succeed. Mm -hmm. So success requires your willingness to fail. So flip your thinking about what you're making failure mean. Your enemies or your teachers, uh, blame. Oh, my goodness, blame's a big one. But if you don't have what you want in life, in your marriage, in your business, in your friendships, in your parenting, I'm telling you, you come up with what it is, what's the reason you're, you're not educated enough, uh, you weren't brought up uh, on the right side of the tracks, uh, you, you too, you're too short, you're too, <laughs> you're too tall, whatever the reason, that's your blame. And that's who's holding your power. Mm -hmm. You gave your power away. It's like they have the remote control to your life. 
and their thumb is right in the middle of the of the pause button. Take your power back. Flip it. Flip your thinking and get it. Wow. You know, I've been telling myself that I couldn't start that business because of the economy. I'm going to take it back. No, that's something I made up. Our, our thinking is what's ruling us. If you don't control your thinking, your thinking will continue to control you. And my goodness, 70% of our thoughts are negative, Andy. It's like, that's incredible. If you think about it, your, your thoughts, no matter how hard your efforts, no matter how valiant your efforts, you're still going to go. You're not going to go any further than that great big train that's going to stay on those tracks. It can't go off the tracks. And your efforts to go right, your thoughts are going to pull you left. You've got to control your thinking. And my book helps you understand what you are thinking. And it's, it's, an, it's just epiphany after epiphany. And you'll, you'll be going, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's what you'll be saying at least 100 times in this book. Uh, upset is another big one. Oh, setbacks. I love that one. Your setbacks are setups. And if you hold them as setbacks, you'll continue to shrink back, cut back. You'll lose your creativity. You'll, you'll shrink. Your so, you can feel it in your soul. You've been there. I've been there. Well, setbacks are setups. My last business crash is what set me up to be what I am today. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a blurter of common sense. And that's what I do. But I didn't do that back when I was so consumed with my business. That setback was a tremendous setup for me. It's fascinating. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's just to say, Rob, it's, it's fascinating that, you know, our, our first, when we think about something generally, human beings, are, we're sort of trained to think in the negative uh, for our first thoughts. So, <laughs> yes. so exactly what you're yes. saying, we need to retrain our brain, right? And, and question what we, what we think and, and how we think and how we define who we are. And if you don't question it, you'll just stay in that negative mind thought. Man, you're spot on, Sue. That's exactly right, because we have been trained, and uh, most of our thoughts are unconscious because we've been doing it for so long, right? I mean, just a simple thing like forgiveness. Oh, I'm not going to forgive him. He doesn't deserve my forgiveness. No, sir, Rebob. I'm not going to do it. No, sir. But you see my not forgiving him, the grudge that I hold, it's like me taking a poison pill and expecting him to die. It's <laughs> like the, the, when I forgive him, I set myself free. And that's the flip. Uh, my weakness, oh, that's a good one. My, my vulnerability, that's my power. You know, you will impress me, Sue, with, your, with what you know and your polished side and your, you know, uh, your strong side. You'll impress me, but you'll win me over with your willingness to be vulnerable, with your weakness. That'll win me over. And that's what, you know, you want to sell a widget, well, go in there and, and talk about your kids and how you messed up. You know, mm -hmm. you, the, the guy that's that's so polished, you know, that guy named Slick, we don't want to buy from him. You know, that's, that's the guy showing his strength. So anyway, it's fascinating. 36 ways to flip how you think about your your daily life and everything that you do i'm i'm just thrilled and humbled by the feedback i'm getting because it it takes you back to common sense you know it in this world of turbulence my goodness it's so refreshing to have a journey back to yourself wow incredible mm -hmm. and uh, somebody texted in by the way rob and they said this guy is very refreshing on a monday morning <laughs> you fit the bill perfectly for our motivational mondays Thank you for taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, God bless you. And listen, a reminder to all of your, your listeners and you guys, 
You are far more capable than you think you are. You were made in God's image, and that's a mighty fine image. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Thanks, Rob. That's Rob Cross. Uh, he calls himself the Flip It Guy and author of Flip Your Thinking. And again, Flip Your Thinking to Ignite Your World. You can pick it up on Amazon or robflips.com. 